listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Welcome to the Tactical Kitchen Show. Oh my God, pile, is that a jelly donut? Oh my gosh, is that because it was Veterans Day It's Veterans Day. Was it yesterday? I'm pretty sure it was yesterday. Today's Monday. So, November 11th is normally Veterans Day, but since it fell on the weekend now November 12th today Monday will be they recognize it as the holiday yeah I I know it's always the Monday it was always nice when I worked at the bank at a bank and we got those days off because then I got to spend them with you because you got them off too yeah it's like a you know you get uh, two days for one you get Veterans Day and you get the day off to celebrate Veterans Day (laughs) Yeah, you get the extra Veterans Day. Well, I was chan- I was trying to channel my my Lee Ermy, the guy from uh, you know, uh, Full Metal Jacket and all the military shows. Who was the, the drill I sergeant? I loved him. He was such a good like I I would I wouldn't have wanted him to yell at me, but I liked watching movies he was in. Yeah, the uh, whole jelly donut thing in Full Metal Jacket. Oh my is gosh, legendary! That, that movie. Was one of my favorite movies, but I, the first time I saw it, it was like really shocking to me. When well, if you haven't seen Full Metal Jacket, you just have to watch it. Yeah, you know, being so, a, being a veteran, it was really fun to watch. So, yeah, how was it as far as like reality? Well, it was Marine Corps, so I went to the Air Force boot camp. So, <laughs> it was and it was and it was Vietnam. So Vietnam was like, hey man, we're at the war. Let's do this. It was yeah. a little, little different. Yeah. Than uh, all the stuff that I've been involved in. Right. I know. So movies generally aren't like real life. I know people are shocked by that. No. Do we already so, say what episode it is? Uh, no. Episode 33. It is episode 33. You know, it's kind of like it's episode 32 but because somebody misnumbered them once, and that was me, and so we have a lost episode out there. But this is thirty three. Someday be it'll show 33. up. Someday the lost episode will just pop up. It will. Yeah. So this week has been quite an interesting week. Speaking of Veterans Day. Yeah. Speaking of Veterans Day, so uh, I was traveling on the road last week, and that was absolutely miserable. Yeah, you had to go for work with a bunch of other veterans. With a bunch of other veterans, which was fun. But <laughs> when you're on the road and you're staying in a crappy hotel in a tourist trap, yes, it's hard to find quality food. I know. Well, we used to live there, so we know all the restaurants and we know what kind of crappy food they serve. So, Well, I didn't have wheels, and um, I was trying to find a barbecue joint, and there was none kind of around where I was. I finally, I finally found a really good barbecue joint the next to the last day I was leaving, which is perfect. I know. And I'm so glad to have you home <laughs> so you can you can go back to eating normally. That's so hard when you're traveling, though, and we experienced that. That's why we bought the travel trailer, mm-hmm. so we could just take our own food with us. It's like, if it's too far and we can't drag our trailer with us, we're probably not going anymore. It makes it so, difficult. Yeah, because traveling and eating out, even if you get a steak somewhere that... You just don't know what they're cooking in back there. Well, and and I, I worked in restaurants, and I, well, I do know half the time it's olive oil, and it's been sitting there on the shelf over the stove in the heat, and it's rancid. I just can't, can't even. You can't, and, and it's hard because even when you go to a place and and get a steak, like you said, it's not very good. There's no fat on the steak. They they always serve lean meat. Um, it's small, and you're overpaying for it. Oh my gosh, the amount of money you have to pay to eat out to get a steak is ridiculous. Oh my gosh. I had I had a good ribeye the last night I was there at a restaurant called Clemenza's, mm-hmm. which is an, an Italian restaurant down in Fort Walton Beach. Um, they had some, I guess they had some ribeyes stashed in the kitchen, and yeah. I got one. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so this week while you were gone, I posted on Instagram a picture of me at Natural Grocers or of my basket, and I decided while you were gone that I would experiment with 
adding in some vegetables just to see what would happen because we've been carnivore for like 11 months and I thought, well, you're gone. If it all goes to hell, <laughs> then it'll be okay. I'll be here. It'll just be me, the kid, and the dog and the cat, and you won't have to suffer with me. And so everything, you know, I did. I bought vegetables. I bought some fermented foods, some sauerkraut and some uh, beets. And then I bought some vegetables that I roasted. Mm-hmm. And I started eating them on Tuesday. And it went pretty well until last night. And how did you so, feel? Okay. So here's what I ate. I ate this, the sauerkraut and the beets. About You can go back on Instagram and see everything that I ate. Um, and I, you know, I did a small amount. And then I started adding the roasted vegetables the next day or two after that for just one meal. Or one or, you know, well, two meals a day. Oh, my God. By last night. I felt fine all week. Like nothing had changed. I felt fine. And then last night while we were eating and I was eating the last bit of my roasted vegetables, my stomach started hurting so bad. Like I felt so bloated. It was so tight and right right where like it was in my intestines. I could feel it. Just the tightness and the there was like some sharp pains and I was like, oh, holy crap. <laughs> what, what if something is like getting like stuck in there. So, yeah, I've experimented with the the adding vegetables back in, and I think you can do it. I, I really do feel like there's an adaptation period with adding back in, and I wanted to experiment with it. But I'm, I'm not really willing to go another three weeks or six weeks to get that bacteria back to that level that it needs to be to digest vegetables because I felt so good on carnivore. There was no reason for me to go off other than just to try it. Yeah, bring it to a really good point because you talk about how you got tight, your stomach got tight and you felt tight in that area. Most people, when when you start talking to them about eating, they associate that tight feeling with being full. Like that's they eat until they get to that feeling. And that's, that's not what you want to do. No, and I could definitely feel like the gas bubble within my intestines moving through. Like I could literally feel it moving through and going around in the circles. And it didn't feel good. And the next thing that happens is fiber, which I wasn't even eating enough fiber for it to register on my food intake. Because I've been logging and measuring every single thing I've eaten. Mm-hmm. And so I've been posting a lot about that, and I've logged everything, and it wasn't even enough fiber to show up as fiber on my chronometer. And what it did do, though, and I know this is the question everyone will have, what happened to your poop? How did your digestion feel? So the digestion felt fine for a few days, and nothing really changed except for a little more bulk. We'll just leave it at that. And then last night, it was like, Everything is just going to stay there for I don't know how long it's going to last, but I don't know when it's going to come out. And I was constipated. I haven't been constipated in months. So, yeah. So we've talked about this before, and there are studies out there that prove this. The more fiber you eat, the more digestive problems you have, and the more constipated you will be. Right. And I know that, but I I did want to experiment and see what would happen. Right. But that's a number one thing. Doctors always recommend you eat fiber to create a bowel movement. Right. And I know. It is so the opposite. And most people that we talk to, when we, well, just ask them, what's your opinion on fiber? What do you think about fiber? And they'll give us this, oh, you eat it, so it'll clean you out, and you'll go to the bathroom. And it is the exact opposite. Fiber backs you up. It does. And it was really painful. And so I've mentioned this before here on the podcast that I have a little trick which I use when there is constipation. And I do this with clients. Um, I'll take, like last night, I knew I was feeling a little bit tight and off. It wasn't excruciating, but I could feel it. And I haven't felt my digestive process in months. Mm -hmm. It's just like a non-factor, which is what it should be. Right. And so last night I took the teaspoon of pink Himalayan salt, put it in a bottle of 16 ounces of water, closed it up, let it sit on the counter overnight so the salt would dissolve, shook it up this morning, drank it real fast, and then tried to wait for like 30 minutes. 
but it creates a watery environment in the bowel, which helps you to go to the bathroom because the reason why you get constipated is all the water is drawn out of the bowel. And so trying to bring that water back in with the sodium because your, your bowel is, your colon is a watery, salty place. Right. It wants that salt. Right. So I did that as a remedy and within about 30 minutes, everything was fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, and again, we've said this before, but the reason that they think fiber is healthy for you is when fiber gets in your colon, it ferments and it makes saturated fat, butyric yeah. acid. So, and, and that's, that is the, the end product of fiber, which is saturated fat and butyric acid is good for you, but why not just eat meat and butter and get it direct? Yeah. And so today on Monday, November, what is today? The 12th. 12th? I am back to, I'm just like, I'm not, no, I'm not eating no. any more vegetables right now. I don't want to <laughs> do that to myself. And I feel like if I eat the fermented vegetables, like a teaspoon, a, a teaspoon, a tablespoon or an ounce of sauerkraut with a meal a couple of times a week, if I feel like I want that sour flavor, which I've talked about before, sometimes I crave that, then that works for me. And I don't feel any negative effects of that. But the vegetables, even that small amount I added, and I did not eat a lot of vegetables, guys. I was eating like half a cup. and So I, I don't like vegetables. I never have. I only ate them as, you know, something to improve my health. And that's because that's what I was told. So to. I thought I was supposed to. So I've never liked vegetables. While I was gone, you know, trying to find food out, uh, it's hard and the steaks are small and they usually come with broccoli or a sweet potato. Yeah. So so I was kind of like, man, I'm a little I'm a little hungry. Maybe I'll eat this broccoli. Man, that broccoli tasted like crap. <laughs> and when you go out to eat, it's probably it was most likely where you were eating out, it was frozen broccoli, so It was horrible and I'm like, I'm never eating broccoli again. This is horrible. And at another restaurant, <clears throat> same thing, I got a steak. It came with a sweet potato uh, potato and a salad. I got the salad because a guy I was with, Wes, wanted my salad. He eats a lot. It's it's pretty funny. <laughs> So um, I, didn't, I did not eat the salad, but I tried the sweet potato. It tasted like dirt. I mean, I thought I was eating dirt. It's so funny because we always ate sweet potatoes. Like yes. For a long, when we first started on our journey with changing our diet, and even before that, I loved sweet potatoes. Um, but I haven't had a sweet potato in so long. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what would happen if I had that well, much fiber. <laughs> I don't know if that was just a... Uh, a poor tasting sweet potato well, or or has your have has my my palate changed that much to where you know that that's a potato it was in the dirt yeah maybe you were just really picking up on the dirt flavor the dirt flavor the dirt flavor this is this tuber. is like some serious georgia dirt here yeah <laughs> so you know i haven't I, I haven't had a sweet potato and i can't imagine adding that cuz they're pretty fibrous because just when I fixed my constipation issue this morning, just to be very like open and honest about it, there was a more oh please tell more volume <laughs> in one day than there has been like in a total of like maybe three to four days. Yeah, when eating just meat because it's and, a low residue diet. Right, we're on a low residue diet, so I usually go to the bathroom every day, but it's like nothing. It's like. Here, here, I'll make the sound effect. Bleep, bleep. And that's it. You know, like you're, <laughs> you're like, is that all I got? You know? It's kind of gross. It is kind of gross. That's what makes it sound, you know? <laughs> I'm dropping the seals off at the pool. Bleep, bleep. Lockout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had to have a seal joke, yep. right? Love and, them. Yeah. Love my seal buddies. So, okay. No more vegetables for me. No sweet potatoes for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you also got out and you sent me a text and told me you had something to eat and I was shocked. Oh, I you, was flat shocked. Are you referring to the hush puppies? Hush your mouth. Hush your mouth. So <laughs> so again, it's really hard when you're at when you're down and you, you don't have your own car and you're stuck with other people and they want to go somewhere and you don't want to be yeah. the man, I don't I don't eat I that. I don't eat that. I don't eat that. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let's go. I'll just I'll just see what's on it. And there's a little place called Stubies down on Fort Walton Beach and it's a walk up order fried food location fish place fish place so i got the the mahi mahi ha ha 
makes me want to laugh. Mahi, mahi. <laughs> you do what you can when you're there. We <laughs> lived there for a long time. Yeah. And even living there, we never went out to eat unless we were just going to go get sushi at... Uh, if you're ever in Navarre, go to the Slippery Mermaid, best sushi ever. But yeah, that's all we would go out and eat. So, so I got the mahi mahi, and it came with uh, fries and hush puppies. So, uh, the mahi mahi was pretty much. I wasn't sure if it was fish or the sole of an old shoe. I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell. I ate there once, and the so time. I got the uh, um, you know fish, and I ate it, and I was like, that was absolutely nothing. Like that was just a snack, and. There were two hush puppies, and I'm like, let's see. I'll test myself. I'll eat this and see what happens. Um, they were they were good. They were pretty delicious. Uh, and I had a couple fries. I did not eat most, probably one or two fries is all I had uh, because I'm like, man, I'm not going to overdo it. I don't want to have yeah. stomach pains. But I really did not notice anything digestive or otherwise. So, Well, just doing it that once, probably no, and it was a very small amount. Yeah. Unlike me, who had vegetables every night and apparently got a build-up reaction (laughs) over the week that turned into kind of like gut pain last night. Well, so so what do you know? You might ask, what are you worried about about eating a couple hush puppies? Well, I'm worried about the oil that those hush puppies are fried in. That's what I. That's what uh, I don't want. Yeah, because we've said that before too. How we talk about sugar all the time. But really, when you're going out to eat, the amount of oxidized polyunsaturated fats that you're getting in your food that they cook with in restaurants is really a problem because, mm-hmm. like, we, like we've said, they're already spoiled, if you want. They're already rancid. They're right. already broken when you put them in your body. So thank God for uh, taking my own uh, keto cream. And mixing that in because I, that way I, I two days I skipped lunch. I just I'm just yeah. not gonna I'm just not gonna eat. There's no good options. I'm just I'm just not gonna eat lunch. And we yeah, and having that ability to fast when you're just like there are no good choices for me. Right. I have plenty of fat stores. Even even a super super lean and you're pretty lean. But a very lean person still has plenty of fat to skip a meal. Oh yeah, <laughs> you I mean, know? even if you're talking, you know, super lean like a bodybuilder down to four and five percent body fat, they have you know thirty, forty thousand calories of fat stored in their body for fuel, even and, at, even at that lean. And that's that's a lot of days of being able to go without. That's a, meal a lot or of a lot of fuel if your body is able to access it. With most of, most of those guys, the way they train, their body does not like to convert fat into glycerol into into glycogen, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, and and that's you know, that's something that I've noticed is that when I'm here and you're not home, I can go a little bit longer without food because I'm not having to make food for both of us. So yeah. sometimes I get like extremely lazy. <laughs> And I'm like, I'll just see, I'll just see how long I can go. And it's cool to test your body like that and see that you can kind of live on your own fat stores. You don't get hangry. You get hungry. You get. I got a little. Man, it was after. I wasn't hungry at lunchtime. I, I, at lunchtime, the, the the hotel had a a breakfast buffet, which is anybody that's eating a breakfast buffet at a hotel knows that's no good. It was you know crappy eggs and some bacon. So one day I just I hung out in the lobby down there. We were having a meeting, and I just ate the bacon until they took it away. So yeah. they're like, "No more bacon for you, pal." I was like, "I can eat all the bacon. Keep it out." <laughs> so um, you know, I did that, and then drinking ketones uh, in the afternoon really helped. Kind of get me through. So I never really got hungry. It was uh, at the evening meal when you start thinking about food and you're sitting down to eat and they the food comes out that I get hungry and then I, you know, you eat and you're like, yeah. well, I could really knock off like another steak, but I don't want to pay you another $30 to bring me out that six ounce steak. You right. Know? That's not very fatty and not cooked very good. <laughs> right, right. And you know, like, good, you're spoiled. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but I got through the week. Uh, didn't really feel that bad, um, you know. But also something else we talk about rest and recovery, and you know, every four or five weeks taking a week off. I just used that traveling week as a week off for activity. Yeah, because it's hard to work out when you're traveling. It is. It's it's hard. You're not in. I mean, hotel gyms for one usually don't have massive amounts of equipment. So I took the week off from running, didn't run at all. I just did a lot of uh, easy, what I call easy lifting. Oh, there's the keto train. Yeah. So if you're in your car, don't freak out. That's a, keto train's a fan of lifting, is I think what it is. I think that's it. 
It said lifting. So I just did some easy lifting and a lot of uh, mobility exercises just to stay active and not, yeah. you know, not get sedentary. And then ran this morning six miles and it felt awesome. I did not want to run this morning. We, we got up and it was windy and cold outside and <laughs> a little bit rainy. And I looked out and saw the trees blowing around and I was like, and you started getting dressed to go and you were like, I'm going to go run. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll go run too. <laughs> I didn't really want to. I, you know, I did my lifting yesterday, some lifting yesterday and I, but I, I will say this every single time. There's not ever been an instance where I have worked out and then been in a place where I'm mentally, oh, I regret that. But every time I miss a workout, I'm like, oh, I regret that. Right. I should have worked out <laughs> later worked on. Out. I should have worked out. But if you I just knock out it. something out, it really feels good. And, you know, I got out there and it wasn't near as bad as it looked. And the wind wasn't, it was windy all last week, so maybe I'm just acclimated to it. And it felt really good. The cold weather always makes the run a little bit easier. And it felt great, especially because my stomach was better because I fixed that. I cleaned that out. I cleaned that out, yeah. You always want to do that before you go run. (laughs) It was a a good run. And, you know, when you get out, and the weather's bad, it's raining, it's windy, and you make that decision, I'm going to go do it anyway, you win the day. Like, you do that in the morning, or even if you do it in the evening, you won for that day. You got what you needed to do in, and that feels good. So you feel, after that, you feel motivated and ready to go. Yeah, and it's cool to be able to go do that just on a fat coffee, too, whereas a lot of people are like, I have to eat a meal, and I have to wait for it to digest, and then I can go run or I have to have sugar or carbs to be able to do that. And we just, that's been the coolest thing over the last three and a half years that we've been eating this way is that I just get up, drink some coffee with some fat in it and go run. Yeah. I mean, anything under a couple of hours of activity, water is fine. You don't need maybe a little salt, but yeah, you can get by with just water. Absolutely. So another thing that we were talking about this week, since it was Veterans Day, has been some of the um, things that you've done over the years. Like a lot of people listen, maybe that listen to us, maybe they know you, maybe they don't know anything about you. So I'm kind of going to interview Steve today. Oh my gosh. I know, it's going to be fun. So I'll just pretend like I don't know anything about you. (laughs) (laughs) Can you really have a blank slate? I know, God, I don't know. (laughs) So... So it is interesting because you served 21 years in the Air Force as special operations mm-hmm. a combat controller. So a lot of people don't know what a combat controller is, and so maybe you can kind of tell our listeners. So uh, a combat controller uh, is an Air Force special operations guy, and I always describe it as, when people ask me they don't know, I say, well, I was like a SEAL, but better. that's my dig at my still buddies I know Um, no so we do a lot of the same you know operations as far as employment techniques but you know you're you go through all the jump the dive the uh, you know blowing stuff up uh, tactical shooting you train in all those same things that are kind of standard across the board for special operations forces we talk about it as how you get to work you fast rope, you jump, you dive. That's how you get to work. And then once you get to work and across these career fields like a SEAL or a, a Green Beret, a Special Forces guy or a Ranger, once you get to work, that's when you're a little different. So everybody gets to work kind of the same way. And then once you get to work, our job uh, specifically for years was uh, controlling airfields in austere environments. So you jump in, take over an airfield, and then uh, you know in the last you know 20 years, we got really high in dropping bombs. So uh, an a standard mission would be we'd go into an environment with 12 to 15 uh, guys, and then we would take down the bad guys, and I was there to drop bombs and take down bad guys as well. So everybody on the team has their job. You have a team leader, a team sergeant, and an explosive guy, an engineer, a weapons guy, a medic, and I was the, you know, the, the conduit between the air and the ground. So when we needed air support, my job was to drop a bomb or bring in air support and suppress whatever enemy threat that was threatening our operation. So at that same time, though, you're also having to ground fight. You're, correct. You yeah. know, yeah, your first, your, your first uh, um, 
objective is to take out the threat that's right in front of you. So you go from five meters, 10 meters. Now for, for me, you know, initially when you get on the ground, if you're being shot at, you're going to suppress the ground threat. But my job was always suppress it, make sure I'm not in any direct danger. And if I'm not talking on the radio and bringing in an aircraft to augment our operations, so we have either, um, just a better, better view of the battlefield or able to get heavier fire in, uh, then I wasn't doing my job. And I always laugh because you know, when you get on the ground, everybody's shooting, you know, with their, their personal weapons or their, their, their M4 or SCAR or whatever they're carrying. And uh, I would laugh because I would be like, I pay perfectly good aircraft to carry around bombs for me. Like, they're just hanging <laughs> out up there. They're just waiting for me to call them. They're just waiting for me to go, hey, can you, uh, can you deliver that bomb onto this guy over there? But at the same time that you're doing all this, you're, you, I, know, I know that you've told me before, you're having to carry on so many different conversations and you have to know exactly where everyone is at. That, that's that's true. So uh, as a as a combat controller, and you know, even as any special operations guy, you have to you have to monitor uh, many different frequencies. So as me as a combat controller, I would be on the team freak, which is a frequency, which was all, all the team guys were talking on. I would be on the the aircraft frequency, so the the strike aircraft, and then you'd also usually be on a a ISR, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, like, you know, recce aircraft frequency, and you're talking to people who are in your face. Right. And, so, there's a, and it's not like it's a calm conversation sometimes. No, no it's not. It's very, <laughs> it's very heated. Uh, you know, you always have the ground force commander who was my, who I work for directly, and you're, you stay right on his hip the entire operation because he, you know, he directs you on what he needs, and you're there to support that operation. So, um, you know, you got him in your face talking to you directly, and you've got three conversations going on uh, in your head coming over radios that you have to pay attention to and monitor. So you have to be on it all the time. You cannot be, um, you can't have a bad day. No, you can't be like slacking at work. No, no, you and, can't. And that's really so interesting because you're having to be so mentally clear mm -hmm. to make these fast decisions, like split second decisions. And we're looking at, in this conversation, how you feed the military. Right. And how this ties in to the kind of operations you were doing. Now, for the average person who's just sitting on a base, you know, and they're deployed and they're just like hanging out, it might not be as um, necessary. But for someone in your career field, the way you eat is going to directly affect your performance out there while you're in that situation. Right. And that's something that, you know, since I've been retired, uh, I look back and, you know, look at how I ate and what we consumed and how we got ready for those operations. How, what, what did we do? Um, biggest concern going, going out, because a lot of times we go out for about three days at a, at a clip. So how much food do I have to bring and how much power do I have to bring to power all my equipment? That, those are my two main concerns. Um, so, you know, the, the food was really just... The first 24 hours was the worst yeah. because not being fat adapted caused a lot of problems because, you know, the first 24 hours you go through that after two or three hours, you get really hungry and then the hunger kind of passes and you get kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, sometimes foggy. Now, when you get into a firefight and you're actually engaging the enemy, you're never foggy. Like adrenaline that kicks, kicks off that, adrenaline that's, that's different and you're ready to go. You know, you hop out of the vehicle and you're running and sprinting and breathing hard. So you're, you're focused, but sometimes, you know, I would stay up for 60 hours straight and talking to aircraft and ground uh, ground teams and their movements and tracking all that stuff. You have to stay sharp. And it was hard, but you do it mostly with like caffeine and amphetamines. Like you take drugs to stay awake that long. Yeah, and they provide them for you. And they provide them for you, yes. So you're taking amphetamines to stay awake longer than you ever should and trying to stay alert and focused. And it what they give you does keep you focused, but what I found is the diet now, the diet and even exogenous ketones will focus your brain like taking those amphetamines did. That's so crazy. So you could essentially take someone in your job mm -hmm. and, and put them on a ketogenic diet. Yep. Then give them exogenous ketones to put in their water while they're out on a mission. Right. And they could get that same mental clarity that you could get from taking drugs. Right. They're going to have that hyper focus, you know, throughout the entire mission. And, um, you know, I think that the stuff that we took, you had to take it every four to six hours, I believe, to keep it going, which is funny because that's a, about the same when you take a, a, you know, ketone to put it right. in, your, in your drink. Four to six hours, if you're, if, if you're on it with your diet, that's about what they say it's going to be in your system. 
So it's about the same. About the same thing. And then you're not having the negative effects from the the, the drugs that are given to you. Because that's hard on your liver. You know, anything you put in like that, any kind of amphetamine or anything, your liver has to clear a lot of stuff. And mm -hmm. ketones are natural to the body. So, you know, I mean, it seems like that would be the way to go. And I know that you weren't doing that when you were... <laughs> oh no! You were in the in this in these situations because we had not changed our diet. You that know. was a solid ten years ago. My last deployment, I think, I was thirty eight, thirty nine. Um, you know, last deployment to Afghanistan, and at that time, I was eating the the healthy diet, right? High carbohydrate, low fat, um, and I trained hard. But most of it, looking back on it, the the way I trained hard was stimulants. It was. You overstimulated to train hard. That's what you did. You took pre-workout. You drank a lot of caffeine. You got up hard for a workout to really push your body. And, and then that, you crash. And then you <laughs> crash. But it also explains a lot of the injuries. Yeah, because the, there's not a lot of things that can injure your body more than jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jumping out of airplanes, walking with rucksacks on your body all the time. You know, that extra weight that you're just pounding in your body. Um, you know, and having to work out and try and stay in shape. So I, I know uh, we were like connoisseurs of pre-workouts, like, you know, to explode, Jack 3D, C4, whatever, you know, a pre-workout was on the market. Everybody was like, oh, hey, dude, have you tried, uh, have you tried NO2 explode? <laughs> I've got, I, I love the grape one. And so we would sit around and talk about pre-workouts and guys would, you know, show up to work, have already drank a cup of coffee and then throw a pre-workout in to get all jacked for their workout. And the, what that does to your body over the long term is very detrimental. Oh, yeah, because, you know, the adrenal fatigue that that causes when you overstimulate and you get that cortisol response and then the cortisol then dysregulates your blood sugar and then you get insulin resistant and then all these bad things happen to your joints. So it, it all plays a part and that does explain a lot of injuries that we see with some of the guys who are retired who did this in your career field Yeah, too. you get a lot of overuse injuries because, so not eating a nutrient-dense diet, as we know, your body doesn't repair and recover well. So when you're eating that high-carb, low-fat diet, you're not providing your body with, with really quality nutrients to repair the muscles that, you know, when you go to the gym and work out for two hours, like I would do two hours of workout. I would run six miles and then do an hour, like, weight, hard weight workout nonstop. I used to do... Um, uh, Hugh Jackman had a workout called the Wolverine workout. Yes, and I it was, remember. And it was long and it was hard. And I would do that consistently. And uh, I didn't take a lot of breaks. And that's I look back at it like, man, no wonder I was injured. Well, I remember uh, we went to the gym once and you were going to put me through the workout. And you were like, you probably are only going to be able to do half of this. <laughs> You had to modify. I think I even modified it as well because it was a long workout. <laughs> so, yeah, it's that's a tough one. And you used to do that, like, you would work out, then go to work and work out, and then work out again, and then work out after work. Yeah. It was and that's, crazy. And that was all to stay in that shape of, you know, I was getting older, so I was in my late, late 30s. And when you know you're, you got to deploy and go and keep up with guys that are... 15 years younger than you and you're going to be you know you're going to be walking through the mountains of Afghanistan at 10,000 feet chasing bad guys you cannot be the weak link and that's just the one thing you train towards yeah uh, being able to keep up uh, and not getting too bogged down in and not physically being able to do it well what would you what would you think about have you thought about like if you went back if you were eating a ketogenic diet what your career might have looked like at, at that stage? It would have been a lot different. Um, I mean, I dealt with a lot of back injuries and ankle problems and just repetitive use injuries that I think would never have been there. Um, I can remember in my mid-30s not being able to get out of bed hardly because my back hurt so bad, and I didn't want to get down on the floor with my ankles. I would sit in the edge of the bed and just kind of like try to warm my ankles up so I could get out of the bed and walk and they not you know, have shooting pain. And that's not right when you're only in your mid-30s. And I thought, ah, you know, I've been doing triathlons and I've been, you know, jumped out of airplanes and, and been running with rucksacks my entire career. This is just normal. Well, it turns out that's not, that's not normal and it can be alleviated if you're eating a proper diet. Right. And then, you know, you had the neck, the neck 
injury mm-hmm. yep. um, that turned into an explosive disc <laughs> that had to be replaced. And there was a lot of inflammation there. And sometimes, you know, injury, you can't help it. You're going to get injured in those situations. When that story was that a helicopter blew a big lid. Yeah, so we were, we were in Afghanistan and we were fixing to go out and do a, do a hit. And some helicopters had came in uh, to pick us up. And the uh, there are 47s, which are huge helicopters, and they have massive prop wash. So when they landed, there are these containers that were around the airfield, and they have they have these huge, thick plastic tops on them. Well, one of the tops wasn't secure, and it blew it like way up into the air, like a I don't know, 50 to 100 feet in the air. And when the when the helicopter comes in, most people turn their back to the helicopter just to shield your face and your eyes. So that's what I had did, and I heard somebody scream, "Look out!" I had no idea what was going on, and that that lid hit me right in the back of the neck and just knocked me out. And uh, so I remember coming to and be like, "What? What in the world happened?" And I, all these people were around me and you know trying to check me out. I'm like, "I'm good, man. Let's you know, let's go. Are, are we getting on the helicopter or not?" So I got I you know I came to and went out um, went out on the mission and you know we did our thing for uh, I think it was just that entire day. So it was a, a short mission, like 12 to 15 hours ish. But I was groggy the whole day. Like I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't right in the head, honestly. And then it wasn't, you know, after that. So even on that rotation, before I even came home, I would wake up with a stiff neck and not be able to move. Like my head, not at all. And that went on for years. And I complained about it to the doctors, and they were just like, "Ah, eh, it's a stiff neck. You're fine. You're fine." Until until the nerve pain showed up and you know you couldn't move your arm or you can't chew your food and then you're like something else is wrong here that's right. not right and you go get an MRI and they tell you that your C5 is basically disintegrated it's not there anymore yeah. and you have to give it replaced so you know During doing that stuff like time, that time you know you think about you were trying to eat healthy so i i know we were eating higher carb low fat all the, you know through throughout the la- the uh, several years and that inflammation when that neck injury showed up like that that's when I really started looking at okay we got to fix this inflammation right and so I was going through everything like oh okay so tart cherry juice that's supposed to reduce inflammation <laughs> and you start trying to find out all these things and that's how we kind of ended up stumbling across low carb keto, all these things. It was a progression. And I'm so glad, you know, sometimes it's negative things that bring you to a positive result like what we do now. Right. And so it might have been that if that had not shown up like that, maybe we would not have started to really look into this so deeply because you were in so much pain. And I mean, you didn't say a lot, but when you see it in somebody's face, you know they're in pain because it shows up in people's eyes even when they are tough and they don't talk about oh, it. It was it was absolutely <laughs> miserable. Nerve pain is is very difficult to deal with, and I you know I didn't I didn't sleep in the laying down position for a, probably a month. I had to stand up. I couldn't yeah. laying down was extremely painful. Uh, sitting down was semi painful. So I did a lot of standing. Yeah, I would wake up and you wouldn't be in the bed and you would be in the living room trying to roll it out with a target ball and that just wasn't going to work. No, it was like there was a knot in my back and I couldn't, no no matter what you did. But, you know, and I took a lot of, I took a lot of opioids and you were there. I I had to track my, my, my uh, painkillers so I did not overdose. That's how much I was taking. Right. I would take uh, a lot of uh, Oxycontin or Oxycodone. I can't remember what it was. And you had a lot. Hydrocodone, Oxycontin, you had everything. I was taking a lot of stuff uh, all at one time, and I tracked it just to make sure that I didn't take too much. Yeah, we had a notebook, and, you know, a lot of people would be like, well, that's how you get addicted. But, you know, when it was over, you were done. I mean, you, you quit taking it as fast as you could. I quit taking it in the hospital. Yeah. Like, and- I came out of surgery, and I said, I don't want this morphine drip. Get it out of me. It makes me feel like crap. Right. And we had already started kind of really trying to change our, you know, started working on changing the diet. And I, you know, it was just like a real process. But coming off of that, man, that was just so bad. I feel for people who do have nerve pain because 
it's miserable. You can't get relief from it. And oftentimes with uh, things like fibromyalgia and things like that, it's nutrient deficiency and malabsorption of nutrients. So if you can correct that and you look at a ketogenic diet and getting enough of the good vitamins and nutrients to help prepare or shield that nerve, then you can you can fix that nerve pain. Well, and I was told by the uh, the the surgeon, the uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're the, the guy that did the work who's awesome, dude. Uh, he said that nerve pain might never go away. Like you might not ever get the use of your right arm fully back. Right. Uh, so that was an issue for me uh, because I lost. You know, I, I couldn't raise my right arm to eat. I you know I couldn't brush my own teeth with my right arm. I had to use everything with the left arm. And that all come back, but what I what I do notice now, you know, you're, that was four years ago, mm-hmm. that sometimes that nerve pain creeps back in if I'm not on a really solid diet. Right. And that's interesting because it's there. It's there. It's there. The damage is there. and But we fixed it by reducing the inflammation around the damage. Oh, that's so interesting. And yours was a little different than someone with fibromyalgia because when a disc is bulging and touching a nerve, like you can't you can't fix that. It was pushing out of the vertebrae right. and touching nerves and it required you know, surgery to, yeah, to fix. Absolutely. But you know, when you go through surgery and things like that, how you how you recover is so dependent on how you treat your body afterwards and what you put in it. Yeah, and you're right. Everyone everyone has their aha moment or their their turning point to where this is what happened to make me seek this out. And you're absolutely right. You know, when we started having these issues, um, it was I, I was down for eight months. I mean, it was a I was it down was a long lot. time, and I put on a lot of unwanted weight around my waist. And uh, I was, you know, 30, probably 30 pounds overweight of what I needed to be. And it was all fat. It was all around my uh, waist. And when I tried to come back and start being active again, I had, I had no energy. Like, I just couldn't do anything. Um, and I could not lose the weight, no matter what, you know, type of diet as far as, like, limiting food that I, that I tried, the weight was stuck there. It was like glue. Yeah, and you know, you have a lot of uh, veteran friends who might be in that same situation where they've had injuries or they're trying to come back from, you know, something like a surgery and it's it's hard if you don't have the proper tools in your toolbox to to get better if you just don't know. You just don't know. And, if, know? They're, and if they're getting their nutritional advice from a doctor, it's probably wrong. Yeah, it probably is. And, you know, that's why we like to share this kind of information because as, you know, a nod to Veterans Day, your story is really what brought us to start seeking this out. We had a whole cluster of events that really started pushing us towards a ketogenic diet and then... Um, there might be somebody out there who has had an event like that in their own life and they're just kind of seeking, what can I do to fix this inflammation? Because that's where I was at. Mm-hmm. For you, I was like on looking every day. How can I help him fix this? Because, you know, I didn't want to see you lose the use of your arm. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want you to be in pain. Uh, and, and, I, and I wanted to be able to work out. I know. That, I mean, that was part of my life ever since... I can remember, you know, six years old, starting to play football, you know, and, and through all the way through high school playing sports. And then even when the couple of years before the Air Force, I ran with, you know, buddies and we ran around and lifted weights and and uh, and then being in the Air Force for 20 years, like working out and lifting weights was a part of my life. It wasn't like uh, I did it every once in a while. It was right. part of who I was. So when you take that away from somebody, there is a mental aspect that you have to deal with. Uh, you know who I used to be and who I am now, and if if you were a person that was very much into working out and being in shape, and now you're out of shape and you can't work out, you take a mental hit on that. You do, and the cool thing I think about the ketogenic diet is that we started eating that way, and without working out super hard, sometimes without working out at all, <laughs> yeah. you started seeing results. Yeah, when we first started doing this, unbeknownst to me, that's what you were doing. I was just eating I didn't food. tell him. <laughs> I probably lost 15 pounds within the first couple of weeks. <laughs> you and were I, like, what's going on with my pants? <laughs> it just fell off. And I did. I was like, man, there's something wrong with my pants. Like, they're just not fitting anymore. And Because I, I had a bunch of pants that I, that I was just, I had outgrown. My waist had outgrown them. And I didn't wear them anymore. And then all of a sudden, like, 
these fan pants started fitting again, and uh, I didn't know what was going on, and I wasn't working out. We weren't working out at all. We were just working on the house. Yeah, we were. We had just moved back here, and we're working on the house and working in the yard and trimming the trees and just getting this house kind of up to our standards, and and uh, I lost about 15 pounds in three weeks and didn't do anything. I know. It was really frustrating for me, <laughs> <laughs> which is usually the way it is for a couple. You know, the, yeah. the man will lose weight real easily and the woman's like I have weighed everything and done all this and I gained a pound that's true (laughs) it just happens that way but you know it that's why you know you have to trial and error it and um we've kind of found our groove with it um the last week I know now for me there's no vegetables involved I'm just going to go back to strict carnivore well (laughs) you know you make the the mad woman comparison and that's what we always say Everybody is bio-individual. Like, what I do is not going to work for everyone else. And what you do is not going to work for every woman. Um, So you have to test things. Don't be afraid to change, to test, to to take things out, to add things in, because that's what you have to do. And what I always tell people is uh, you have the rest of your life to figure it out. Absolutely. And, you know, what we've seen lately is that what's, what's so cool is you've got someone like Dom Diagostino mm-hmm. and Jeff Bullock who are working directly with the military and trying to get this kind of diet as standard, right? And for you know, your kind of career field, yes. Uh, Jeff Bullock is doing his uh, his tank study. They've completed it now, and I think they're just going through the results. Uh, and they worked with some uh, ROTC members up at Ohio State University. Uh, yeah. Just putting them through the paces on a ketogenic diet uh, to see how they do. Um, they want to get it in bigger trials, and we're we're trying to help with that to get them into uh, bigger military trials so they can test it. I, I mean, I'm a big believer in it, but looking at the current system, that is a it is a hard hard thing to change. It is hard to change, you know. And and I know uh, just how long has it has it been since you wrote an article for the Dallas Morning News? Uh, probably six months ago. Six I think. months ago, and you were you were asked to write an article about this very thing about the ketogenic diet in the military. Well, it was about military readiness and how the military is overweight. Right. They're extremely overweight, and they're you know failing their PT test and failing their uh their even their measurements, um, and not being able to perform, and that is a reflection on the dietary system in the military. Uh, you know, the chow halls or dining facilities, whatever you want to look at it, the, the meals ready to eat, the MREs, they're mm-hmm. issued for filled rations. Uh, all that stuff goes into uh, how these soldiers and airmen and Marines are all, uh, you know, their body composition. If you eat that crappy food, and it's all based off calories, that's the thing. It is right. a, it's a calorie-driven idea. There's so many calories in an MRE based on so many calories you need on the battlefield. And that's an extremely flawed view of how food works. And what's interesting is like the the military is coming out and saying they're worried about this, but there's not a correlation for them between what these people are eating right. in the chow halls and what they're feeding them to why this, this is happening. It's like probably these people just have bad moral character and they're going out and eating extra food or they're, they're overeating. They're changing. They're, they're focusing very much on the physical performance side, changing the standards, uh, improving uh, the physical performance of how how they get to what they're doing. And I, it's great on, from my side because I've seen the change. When I came in, uh, you know, in the early 90s, uh, the workout facilities at the squadron was a pull-up bar and a dip bar and go run. That was yeah. all we had. Now they have state-of-the-art facilities with squat racks and rowers and and treadmills and, I mean, personal trainers, physical therapists, doctors, all in-house in the squadron that these guys have access to. So there is definitely uh, an emphasis on performance, but there's very little emphasis on nutrition. Yeah, the nutrition, we talked about that a little bit last week, how the dietitians will come out and they'll be like, you need to make sure you're drinking half Gatorade, half water. (laughs) I know, and I know. during, uh, you know, physical performance testing. Mm-hmm. And that's like, really? This is part of the problem. Right. And this is why we have like a weight issue, a performance issue, a mental clarity issue, a PTSD issue. 
So, you know, we didn't even get into that, the effect of PTSD and diet. Well, you know, a traumatic brain injury is a huge thing for, for veterans on the battlefield. And uh, a ketogenic diet will absolutely help with that. Ketones especially will help with uh, preventing or helping uh, mitigate the effects of a traumatic brain injury. Because even shooting a rifle, that small explosion, just shooting a gun can uh, cause some type of a small TBI. Because your whole body just reaps the the the, the well, movement. That, I mean, the perfect example is shooting a, a Carl Gustav round or a, an AT4, an anti-tank missile. Like in the reg, it says you can only shoot three of these in a day because uh, of yeah. because of the, you're shooting a rocket off of your shoulder, right yeah. right by your head. <laughs> okay, so there is some traumatic brain injuries going on just right there, and that's training. That's not even war. That's just training. So, just when I've shot a gun before, the vibration that goes completely up your arms into your just all over your body, it just like shakes everything. Yeah, and and so shooting a gun, uh, I can't tell how many times in training we blow doors or you know blow something up. It just it's all the time. So that adds up over time, and you know as we know, anytime you have a, a traumatic brain event, your your brain needs to heal, and but it also it can't use glucose at that time. The damage it does uh, cannot be healed because if you don't have ketones, because you can your brain can use glucose or ketones for healing, um, you know you then then you basically don't heal. Your brain just starves. So being on a ketogenic diet is going to give you the ketones for the healing. Also, it it provides a some protection, some neuroprotection against damage. Right, and it, it's so interesting because I know that when we were at. Um, the last low carb USA, Rob Wolf was speaking and mm-hmm. he was talking about exogenous ketones. And like we've said, I know there's a lot of people who poo poo that and they're like, I would not. I don't it's think snake oil. That's what we got told yesterday. It's snake oil. Snake Quit oil. telling me that snake oil. Whatever, man. Yeah. Go drink your beer. It was somebody who was currently <laughs> drinking beer yeah. telling us that we were trying to peddle snake oil. Right. So, so I didn't even mention exogenous ketones, by the way, but yeah. whatever. So but Rob Wolf said, if you know, he would give if his kid had a, had any type of traumatic brain injury, the first thing they would do would give them ketones. I know because that and that says a lot right there that you would give your child exogenous ketones if they got hit in the head. You know that's that. What parent is going to do something to cause harm? Well, none of us are going to do that. Well, knowingly, when your children so, play soccer, head injuries. Play football, head injuries. Uh, any sport, you can fall down and bonk your head. Absolutely, you could you could fall down in your house. I don't know. <laughs> so who knows? You could hit your head just standing up and hit your head on an open hey, that, door. You know why that never never happened to me? I have life alert. I have life alert. <laughs> yeah. Are we that old? I don't know. Not that old. Not, Not that, that old. old yet. So, <laughs> and that's just, that's another thing. Like I've been thinking lately. I've seen some people posting on Instagram that are like in their 60s, they're carnivore, they've decided to go that route, they're eating more protein, they have a lot of muscle, they look much they're younger than they it. are. And I'm like, 60 is not old it anymore. Is, it's not anymore. If you're nutritionally on it and you're training properly, 60 is not old. It, and we, we've seen those people. And I know everybody's impressed with the young you know, Instagrammers that are 20-something years old and has six-pack abs. Hey, that's great, man. Whatever. Anybody can do that. That's not that hard. But when you're 60 and you're in the gym <laughs> crushing it and you have muscle, now you're showing me something. Now you, now you are a special person. I want to know these people. So, you know, it, it's just been an interesting journey for us. And I think that there's no going back. I don't want to go back to being a carb eater, a sugar burner, or, you know, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to, I don't want to age faster, which is what that diet was doing to both of us. Eating a lot of carbs and low fat was just aging me faster. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I'm, I'm healthier than I've ever been. So we've gotten a couple of reviews lately on we did. this podcast. You should review the podcast. We got some good ones. Do you have them right here? I do. I do. Um, so we did have one. I'm going to read the, the funny one first, the bad one. We got a bad review. We did get a bad review. We got a one star. <sighs> Joyce, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I understand 
So this person was just upset. I won't, I won't um, read all of it. She, you can go on iTunes and read it. So she just said that we are, we are free and kind with all of our information, but that when I said long, not long ago, when I announced that we weren't going to censor our vulgar language anymore, which was a joke, because Steve is military, and for all of you people who have been around the military, the F word is like a filler word for every single thing. And and, I, and it is. When I'm around military guys and we're talking, trust me, the profanity, it is unleashed. It is. It, and I don't know why. It's just I don't know why. It just, it just happens. It just happens. So when I said that, it was obviously I was kind of joking because I had made a big deal about it before we started the podcast that I was like, you can't do that. You can't drop f We made a big deal about not using any profanity, which we yeah. don't. No, we really don't. In fact, I'm the one that ends up doing it, which is so funny because I don't even cuss that much. But she said today was the last straw. Um, so she said the offensive language, uh, though paired with the cutest picture of sleeping pets, um, she wasn't going to listen to us anymore. So, and that we shouldn't blame the U.S. military for the vulgar language. So, it's it, well, it's not the military's fault. I, no, I will it's say not. that it's not. So, we're sorry to lose you, Joyce. But I understand if you don't, if you, you know, if you're not funny. So, <laughs> well, so, maybe she'll come back. Maybe she'll maybe try she again. Will. Yeah. Maybe she will. So, we did get an interview from Tammy Fifteen. Um, love this show. This is by far one of my favorite podcasts. It is informative and fun. You guys rock. Thank you, Tammy15. Yes, that was thank you very so much. nice. That's awesome. We really appreciate it. And then we got another one from Steffi K. Steffi Key? I don't know. It's somebody's code name. Um, says, great job. I love listening to average everyday people who aren't trying to push a specific agenda, but just sharing their experiences. And that's that means a lot to us because that's really what we're doing. That's we're what just we try to trying do. to share what we've been through, what's worked for us. Maybe it will work for you. Maybe it won't. But it's something in the toolbox for you to pull out if you need it. And that's what I was talking about this morning about, like, we got kind of slammed yesterday about exogenous ketones that we were selling snake oil. And here's how I feel about that. You know, that we were told that our viewpoint on it was um, would uh, potentially lead to us making money, which was inherently corrupt. And I found that kind of funny because everyone is trying to make money because that's how we live in this world. But we typically never, ever try to sell somebody on exogenous ketones. I feel that they're this. If you, if you have a nail and you need to put that nail into the wood and you don't have a hammer and you were thinking of using your fist and I walk up to you and say, hey, I heard of this company called Home Depot. And they have these things called hammers, and they're designed to put this nail into wood. And you were like, yeah, you're just trying to sell me something. I'm just going to use my fist. <laughs> what? You don't want to use a tool that can help you complete what you're trying to do? Like, And that's what Very we talk simply. about ketones. And here's the thing. Ketones, and we've said this over and over, they are not a fix-all. If you're going to eat crappy, you're not going to get a benefit from them. No. You might get a couple of hours of some mental clarity that you haven't experienced since you were a small child. But <laughs> that's about it. So don't believe the hype about that's all you got to do is drink ketones and all your dreams will come true. Vote for me. I'm Pedro. So <laughs> that's not how it works. How it works is you change your diet. You, you get on a healthy mindset of how you're going to fuel your body, and you do that, and you use them as a tool in the toolbox to supplement, to help you, to maybe uh, give you a little bit of extra for a workout or to get you through a carb flu, to reduce inflammation. Those are the things that they're for. Right. That's where, that's where they're beneficial. So. If we if we push ketones, it's a tool. You and we say this all the time. You do not have to drink them if you do not want to. No, and we're always honest. We are we do sell them, but you don't have to buy them from us. You can go buy them at Walmart for all I care. And and, and I'll say it. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm a ketone user, and I freaking love them. I think they're awesome, and they help reduce inflammation and and increase my endurance and 
and make me feel clear mentally uh, at times when I need it. So I'm not going to say I don't take them. I'm not going to back off on no, that. No, no. And I didn't take them really very much last week, but I take, I take them pretty often myself and especially for workouts and I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if you buy them from somebody else and you try them and you, you love them, that is awesome. Nobody has to buy them from us. We don't care. Right. So, anyway, that's right. our spill on that. So, we're keeping up on like, man, almost an hour. We've been talking Ooh. a long time. Well, you're interesting, though. <laughs> so. Well, we appreciate you guys listening, and uh, happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. We definitely appreciate uh, your service and, and what you've done uh, for our country. So Absolutely. Um, keep at it, guys. All right? Go out there. Do great things. Win the day. Eat fat and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Tasco Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.